Dawn to Dust Collections is a slow fashion and lifestyle brand founded by two lifelong friends, Shannon and Kirsty. They both decided to dive into a more holistic and conscious way of living after leaving their careers in the yachting business and pursuing their yoga teaching in Bali, where they met up. And through that, they took a plunge to decide to create a business that would not only deepen their learnings and have a creative outlet, but to also create a community of people who will help the process from beginning to end. So they're a small business with big dreams, just the ones I like. Their brand is deeply rooted in sustainability and they try and do their utmost to decrease their impact on earth and make sure that it's as gentle as possible. Also, while attempting to connect and empower communities around them, they talk about what it is like to have a sustainable fashion brand while creating communities and work opportunities, as well as sharing some funny hiccups along the way. I hope that you find some valuable insight if you are looking about creating a conscious and sustainable business. Thanks, Kirsty and Shan, for joining me today on Tea with Nikki. I'm really excited to have you guys on. Um, and I'll just kick it off with the first question. So how did your collaborative journey into the sustainable fashion industry start? So basically, Kirsten and I have been lifelong friends and we hadn't seen each other for a couple of years. We were both working abroad and then we decided that we wanted to do our yoga teacher training. So we ended up going to Bali, spent an incredible month there. And I think just having that time and space to, you know, have a little bit of quiet time and really like sit with ourselves and figure out what we wanted to do. This whole kind of idea sparked and yeah, kind of came into fruition a couple of months later. Obviously, it was lockdown, so we had a little bit of time and space to play, but always kind of had this idea of creating something beautiful and unique and um, almost a platform for collaboration and for a lot of people to come into the picture in in a sustainable way. Um, So yeah, we kind of sparked this idea of a lifestyle brand and kind of all came into, into play. So also both Shan and I had originally also worked on yachting. Um, Shan actually managed it a little bit longer than I did. But I think also just with the traveling around and being also in hospitality for a certain period of time, I also just think it was so nice meeting so many different people. And it led us to questioning like what we would want to do afterwards. And you know, mm-hmm. when we met in Bali, it was so nice to actually sit down and think about what the next step was. Because both of us had like we were saving up to start or to do something but what was that and how are we going to put that into play so awesome yeah. and I know that you've mentioned previously that you've created a small community in Pinburg Bay that creates the garments for you so can you just expand on that on why and how you started this because I mean plates also quite far yeah, yeah. So we've actually only recently just moved to Cape Town. We've only been here for about a month, um, but we were running our production through Cape Town for about a year. And we got to the stage where there was a gap and we realized that um, there was an incredible community within Plate. A lot of the local ladies had actually worked in Cape Town in the industry years and years ago, and they'd moved back to Plate, this like a smaller town. And yeah, we just saw this opportunity with an incredible workforce and incredible people and thought, why would we come all the way here when we have the people right here and the skills and we've got this beautiful idea and they can carry it through. And yeah, we started working with them and it's been such an incredible learning journey. Um, Our main CMT 
Nolene is such a powerhouse within her local community and she runs her soup kitchens, disability centers, and she started this whole project, um, like a whole team of women that she coordinates. And, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful um, thing to be part of, because I think we, when we met her, we like really thought like, oh, our visions are in alignment and this is exactly what mm -hmm. we're wanting. And yeah, I think it's just so beautiful to find people that are in alignment and wanting the same things. And I think that's where the magic really happens all kind of falls organically into place. So when you started Dawn to Dusk, was it in Plet then? And then now you've only moved to Cape Town. Yeah, so it actually started during lockdown. Shan and I had traveled back from Bali and everyone was talking about COVID. And I still hadn't hit there being, you know, in the islands and stuff. And even flying through the Dubai <laughs> airport, no one was really speaking about it. It was still like News 24 murmurs. And we got back and about a month later, lockdown happened. And it was just one of those things where, yeah, I mean, thankfully we were in plates and then would sneakily like go and do like walks and see each other. And the continuation of our discussion mm. in Bali just happened. And it actually originally started with us doing like eco printing and eco dyeing. And I mean, which is all, you know, going on. I mean, now we're like moving forward. But it was quite interesting because that was originally what we wanted our brand to be. It just kind of start with the dyeing and eco printing and we started experimenting with that and then yeah and kind of when we did start or well start our actual brand that just seemed a little bit out of reach for the time being um and yeah that's also hmm, we had these giant we pots going. and we basically looked like <laughs> yeah, we, we looked like witches kitchen. we had like these giant pots and we were using onion peels and avo pips and really trying to do it as like sustainably and organic yeah, as possible which is such an incredible thing to dive into. But at that time, there was also literally... Comment on our lack of knowledge thing. at that point of how insane it actually yeah. is to start a clothing Onion peels, pips, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of, I mean, that was like the, the start of it. And it was actually so beautiful to dive back into a creative force again. I think us both being overseas, as incredible as it was, we kind of always felt like this urge to come back into the creativity um, and yeah, to actually physically create our own things and kind of dive into that world again and being able to like use your hands and create these beautiful things and taking alien species, like plant species and printing them onto cloth and actually repurposing things and just kind of questioning exactly what, you know, what it entails to start a brand and to have this whole process and what goes into it and what sustainability actually means if there's block after block or whatever it is, there's always a reason for it. And yeah. you do, you have to take a step back and redirect. And eventually it does, it evolves into something that's meant to be, and it's beautiful and it's unique and authentic. And you're always coming back to that core ethos. So, which is what even led us to Nolene. That was like a yeah. ten, <laughs> five, 10 year plan to start creating our own team. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we were kind of put into a bit of a pickle and the team evolved from there, which was wonderful. And that was all from like challenges. Yeah. And how many women are in the team now? So it started off with just three and then we went up to five. And then now that's a bit of a slower time, it goes between like three and four. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's still very small scale, all like hand done. Mm -hmm. The main lady, she loves the whole training aspect. So she yeah. often, if, the, if she sees an opportunity or a gap, she brings someone in, completely trains them from scratch. So I think even for us, it's always been a part of what we wanted to create as you know to educate and to have these workshops and everything so the fact that she's been able to do that in the laos and bring in people and employ people that obviously didn't have anything to do with the industry beforehand 
Um, but she obviously saw a passion or a little um, spark in them. So that's been incredible too. Yeah. And so you, I remember you've spoken about, you know, you wanted to shift the ethos of Dawn to Dusk from being a purely fashion-focused brand to being more lifestyle-focused. So what is the vision of Dawn to Dusk as a lifestyle brand? I think it was, I mean, interesting, like when we started, so we have so many other interests outside, you know, obviously diving into like the whole fashion aspect, but both Shan and I have, you know, done like both self-study and um, studied online and all that kind of stuff with, you know, holistic healing, psychology, uh, nutrition, whatever it may be. Um, and I mean, it's interesting, like when people speak about like their dharma or like, what do you want to eventually do with your life? Uh, one of our main things that we connected on and have like since we were quite young is that we want to have community and actually help other people in whatever shape or form that may end up being. Um, so with it being a lifestyle brand, it's more just, you know, wanting to connect all aspects of like our interest in order to help people. So the kind of start of it in order to have a business that, that can make money in order for us to then help community has started with the fashion and you know a little bit of our homeware as well we've had a couple of like napkin orders um and yeah hoping to get expand a little bit more on that as well but it's more just the sense of then like being able to if we do like limited edition you know for instance like go into like handbags or like baskets whatever it may be we can source out a community of people that can create that for us where we can provide jobs it allows us then to learn about something new and something different um so we basically become like the business backing of like a community project that is a, yeah you know kind mm -hmm. of a connection between learning career creativity um and then yeah I think eventually it would be quite nice I mean both of us want to continue learning even more so about more the psychology holistic living all that kind of stuff and it'd be quite nice to somehow incorporate that into our projects mm -hmm. and the story yeah. behind our brand you know it's so important to us that I think when you understand why and how a create like a product is created you become like intimately involved with the brand and you know mm -hmm. for us we want at the moment like you said our main product is fashion and um, garments but we want our products to become an extension of the buyer you know when you buy something from us you are um, helping us evolve in a mindful way you're giving us that opportunity to expand and mm -hmm. the product does it becomes like when you see someone wearing a top or a dress or whatever we really hope that you like they feel the love and the whole process and the whole journey that's gone into creating it and why it was created how it was created who, who actually created it and it does, it becomes an extension of you. And it's such a beautiful thing to actually, to really understand why it all comes into play. Mm, so I think even in terms of that, yeah, the story is such an incredible part of it. So on that note about, you know, community building and the story behind the garments that have been built is that, so you two have also managed to then build a community. What would be your tip that you would give someone who's wanting to get involved in community building projects and those sorts of things? How could they go about it? Or do you have any knowledge or tips to share on that? Um, well, I mean, we're still very much learning and like expanding on that aspect. Like we by no means, you know, it's forever evolving and changing and these challenges that come and go when you're dealing with humans. Um, and you know with people uh, but I don't know I think for us it's been so interesting it's more like the more you speak 
with people like two people and with people about like what you're doing and asking them questions about what they're doing and actually connecting and you know by by expressing what you're going through and then like actively listening as well it's amazing how the right people almost come into your space and even with us finding Nolene it was one of those things where it was like chatting to a family friend who had had a bikini range that wasn't doing it anymore. And I started speaking to her about what was going on with our CMT here in Cape Town. And then we got recommended a name mm-hmm. and a person. And then we got in contact with Nolene. And then through that, you know, she's evolved her team because she wanted to kind of start a little team of seamstresses as well. Um, and I think that's just like what everything is about. It's about like speaking openly expressing I mean even with you like what your podcast is all about like yeah. sharing the ups and the downs and it's amazing how the more you do that and genuinely connect with people the right people almost come into your pathway which yeah. is wonderful for sure um, yeah so yeah, speaking your vision awesome. and your dream out into the world essentially yes Definitely. and also having like a deep understanding of like your core and like why you wanting to create something mm-hmm. because yeah like we said earlier I mean so many things are going to come into play and there's going to be so many shifts that happen but if you constantly have this like deep sense of peace knowing that like this is why we're creating this this is why we're doing it I think yeah like the right right people people. come into place and it's it's incredible when that sort of like kind of switch happens and understanding what it entails to have a community or like to be working with a group of people like I said like working with people is very different you know you have to understand especially over the last couple of years like what we found when you're relying especially on other people to create your products Mm -hmm. and it's such an important thing you know, when you're creating a community, you then have to be stern enough to still like expect your product, but also then be empathetic enough to understand that there's going to be like human error and the reasoning, which goes back to like, why are you actually wanting to create a community and then allowing yeah. the space for you to also just be people in that space? Mm. Um, yeah, so that's also like another learning curve. And like, when yeah. you're trying to create a community, it's like understanding that there's going to be so many things that happen and like come into play when yeah. you're doing that. You're dealing with a bunch of individuals yeah people to... different personalities backgrounds yeah. traits wouldn't be surprised if there's been some headbutting in the community not necessarily saying with you ladies but it's just always happens whenever there's people around there's always something so yeah. I think yeah, definitely an important aspect is to keep mindful again like you said coming back to what are the core principles why you started it you're building a yeah. community and that people have their own individual personalities and like things happen as well but what would be a tip as well for say someone who's wanting to get into the sustainable fashion industry what would you advise I think exactly that to stay true to your ethos like Mm -hmm. to figure out exactly why you're wanting to create something um because it is it's so tricky and I think we've learned and every single day there's a new block or there's a new something but especially in South Africa, you don't necessarily have access to everything you need in order to do it with ease. So there's so many easy ways that you could cut corners or you could, you know, you know, to make money quicker or to get a product out faster or whatever it is. There's so many shortcuts that you can take, but at the end of the day, it doesn't help, you know? So I think to actually take a step back to have that time and patience and to really allow it to happen in the right way I mean it's also about like understanding what is sustainability to you as a brand because I think there's so many often we only think of just the materials that you're using so the actual making sure that you aren't polluting the earth but there's so much more that comes into it like sustainability goes down into how the products are being created and there's a whole tier to it so also understanding like 
when starting a sustainable brand, knowing exactly what those aspects are that you're wanting to do and to like harness full-heartedly because sometimes leading back like in South Africa, it's quite difficult to always have that like ebb and flow of like all of those, you take know, all take all the boxes. Yeah. Um, and it is so easy. I mean, you get so tempted, you know, even when we were starting, when trying to research and especially in the beginning phases, when you're still researching and genuinely trying to understand how you can make less of an impact on you know your footprint it's there are going to be times that you actually veer a little bit away and then you have to come back and be like wait what am I doing that's actually not true to what I was meant to be doing and then like yeah rein it in a little bit and it's also just understanding that those lessons are also there for a reason like it's it's half the reason why the fashion industry is what it is and why there's been such massive shift towards even our like bigger brands having to be more conscious in the way that they're creating and the materials they're using is because of how easy it is to cut corners. And what have been some of your challenges that you found in creating a sustainable business versus, you know, the companies who do cut the corners like fast fashion, all those, what have been some of those challenges? It's because obviously creating a sustainable business and the products tend to be a bit more expensive. Um, because of the effort and sourcing that's gone into it so have you found that as a challenge with like because of price point or what have been some of the other challenges price point is definitely one of them and then the sourcing of natural fibers in uh, fabrics in South Africa is a massive issue at the moment um, I mean, that's actually quite an interesting, even to talk about community, it's amazing how many more of us, like small local brands, like people wanting to start more sustainable businesses are communicating more about where they get, try, like where all of us are sourcing fabrics, because everyone is struggling to find both, like you said, cost effective, good quality fabrics. Um, that's definitely one. And then I think also when you're trying to be more sustainable and eco-aware, like your carbon footprint, so in terms of like the amount of plastic you use, your transportation, cutting, all of that also comes into play and trying to be conscious about that while running businesses when you're dealing with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think when you are in fashion or any form of like a retail space, it's amazing. You're dealing with not just yourself and your business, you're dealing with so many other people. So there's, I don't know, to create ways also to then like carbon neutralize your business is another interesting aspect to it which is also expensive you know seeking out these eco-friendly packaging suppliers and I mean we were even using one called mealy mailers at a stage and they've had to close down during COVID Mm. which is incredibly sad um obviously new ones are popping up but you know even for that like the impact that the past two years have had on so many different companies and everything Mm. is it's devastating so I think that's like for us for us to be able to create our business and support other businesses along the way that are trying to, you, you really do have to research it properly and be like, how can I help someone else? You know, cause mm-hmm. it does at the end of the day, if you, if you supporting another little business, um, you keeping them afloat, they keeping you afloat and it all kind of flows yeah. into the same channel. It's interesting because I think our sustainability main core, as much as like we do use like natural fabrics and we are more and more going into like our natural dyeing and experimenting with eco-printing. I think ours is more about like the sustainability that community can help. So for instance, like, you know, by supporting, like Shan said, like another local business for our packaging or, you know, for the printing, having our local team create things, that in itself is helping like sustain our, or keeping things in our like South African economy, which is so important. Because I mean, with this trend and move towards, which is so needed, so many fast fashion brands aren't like taking the leap and they are actually now incorporating like recycled fabrics and doing what needs to be done in order to be a little bit more conscious. 
but that still doesn't help us as like a South Af- as South Africa. And like sustainability yeah. is also about like focusing on your community and like where you are from and how that impacts, you know, yeah. the here and the now and your environment. Yeah, supporting local as far as possible, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, I love that. Amandla, South Africa. <laughs> let's get some more things back in because there's so many things going on and people leaving. Let's let's bring it and keep it local. I like that. And just the last no, question. Create fabric in South yeah. Africa. Yes. So, Hopefully so if you someone sees want this. To create fabric. <laughs> Anyone need- who's looking at creating fabric, you have got a market. <laughs> We're manifesting it. Yeah. <laughs> And just the last question that I like to ask um, the guests that come onto the podcast is what does feminine leadership mean to you? So we've actually spoken a lot about this, but I definitely think like diving into the the divine feminine and letting it be a guidance force for you, because it is such a beautiful thing to tap into that empathetic, um, compassionate, like, you know, beautiful, intuitive way of leading or, you know, Mm -hmm. leading your life um yeah yeah leadership I guess from your heart space mm-hmm. and I mean I think it's so even like when I read it like feminine leadership like our company at the moment is we are a female orientated company but it's you know it's such an important aspect even for like all businesses yeah. that both I mean I believe that all and so many people do that we both have like our both feminine and masculine energy and I think in business there is such a space for both of those and learning that balance and I think you know with feminine leadership I think why it's become such a massive thing is from that care and that compassionate side because that's then allowing and remembering that the world goes around because of people and it's learning how to be like communicate with those people work with those people in order for us like sustain and continue yeah. um have a little compassion yeah, yeah. for sure so i think it's just definitely that compassion and empathy in the workspace there's definitely a lot more room for it nowadays i think COVID took everyone for a spin and realized that oh these are people that live at a home they're not just behind a computer all the time like they got families and shit like <laughs> exactly. it's all happening yeah and so now I just want to move into the next segment that's called the ABCs of your career journey. So starting with A, what was your amazing affluent Oprah aha moment? So, I mean, we kind of did touch on it a little bit earlier, but I really do. Yeah. Of all the times we've spoken about it being in Bali and literally just having the time and space to be like, Ah, actually, you don't have to do everything yourself. You know, there's so many incredible people in this world and everyone has their own skills and their own, um, you know, things that they can bring to the table and allowing for everyone else to have their voice and to come into play and to actually collaborate and use everyone's strengths to create something beautiful instead of just kind of dominating the scene yourself or having to or feeling like you have to do everything in your own way it's such a beautiful thing to allow the space for everyone else to come in and have mm-hmm. their own sort of like unique experience and unique um, opinion um, to create something yeah collaborative yeah. and beautiful <laughs> and it's, I mean you talk about like also the aha moments and going back I mean both Shan and I were in mm-hmm. yachting and I think I don't know from when we were both very young we spoke about you know childhood and when like family brings back like how you were when you were little and you know with both of us I mean we've had like people saying that you you could just tell that we always wanted to maybe go into something creative or you know not do the run of the mill do anything corporate or whatever it may be 
But I think that aha moment also came after, I mean, I know for me and we've chatted about it, but after being in yachting and like, it was quite an intense way of living and being. It's amazing how it's, yeah. (laughs) And I just, you know, each their own, that lack of like learning and expanding, which I eventually got to that point. And I know Shan did as well, where my Bali was such like an incredible pinnacles because we kind of were in that same space and then chatted about it. And it was like, well, what else is there? What yeah. what more can we like create? What more can we actually do from the space of like learning and now saving and all of that? Yeah. Yeah. I love those aha moments where you're in a situation where you're like, there can be, surely there's something better than this. And then you're like, oh, yeah. there, yeah. The heart moment can be like leaving the job. I love those kind of moments because then you're like, no, I know this is not for me. I'm out. Like, cheers. Yeah. That is beautiful. And <laughs> B, what was a business blunder turned to blessing? <laughs> it's so funny. Whenever we've now spoken or like saw the question, spoken about it. Um, so there's one that stands out so with our previous or our original um, CMT that we ended up using and with our first ever you know launch and it was like very small scale we're quite nervous and we invested so much money and like we found linen it was like the best of the best and it was all exciting we couldn't wait to launch and sadly our CMT at the time ended up drawing with blue pen that did not come out like blue permanent marker on this beautiful linen and it was visible like through everything like our jackets you could all you could see was blue outlined white linen um so the more we washed it the worse it got, worse it got. So it almost like tie-dyed, tie-dyed marker linen but not um, the next best thing like definitely yeah. wasn't going to work for us it was not <laughs> going to work for us so that kind of happened and then we had like put all that stuff to the side and then another thing we ended up meeting up with her again and all of a sudden she spontaneously decided to throw all of our new white garments that she had made into a washing machine which we don't really know what happened but it ended up exploding with some kind of like murky brown water we call it the poop water we're hoping it was not that but it was one of those moments where you could see the shock on her face and I didn't know whether to cry or laugh because we're like okay this is round two we don't really know how to go about this like the most unappealing brown splotches yeah. like there was no hiding it I had just no. completely like seeped into everything so end up washing that and then and then Shanna we're like okay well now what are we going to do with all of this linen all these garments let's try and dye them and I get them dyed which also led us down a bit of like a you know the natural dyeing we tried that wasn't working it wasn't covering up anything and then we we're like okay cool well, let's try dye we went through like Zampas dyed and it was interesting like through this entire experience it led us down like a very much it actually led us towards what we're hoping to do is create more like upcycled things so sourcing our fabric um so making more unique garments which was the silver lining we called it of this entire thing um but that was definitely just a blunder. It was like trying to like fix a mistake that shouldn't have been made and then reverting away from our ethos and it was just chaos. And it was like an unfortunate event. Very much so. But you eventually managed to use the material. Yes. So some of them, some of of it was not salvageable at all. Like the dyeing actually made it even worse. It kind of was like spotchy (laughs) tie-dye. And... But it was just like, even with that, and I mean, we did end up being able to use some of the material and creating like a very limited edition, like what we call the silver linings, um, which popped some color into our range. 
um, and allowed us also to realize that maybe we do want to explore more with like color and all of that kind of stuff. But it also led us a little bit away from like us dying things and dying beautiful linen was never what we wanted to do. We're like, oh my God, the whole thing was just a nightmare. Um, but it did. It actually led us to, yeah, I mean, pretty much where we are now, the whole like redirecting of it and having to source different fabrics and yeah, it took, it took us down a path, which I don't think maybe if it hadn't have all gone wrong, yeah, we wouldn't have, maybe it would have taken us longer to realize, or we would have had more mistakes along the way. So it was actually, it definitely was a silver lining and blessing in disguise. Well, I mean, that blender was quite comical in itself. So I'm very interested to hear what you're going to have to say for C, which is a cinematic worthy cock up moment. I mean, I think there's been yeah. so many funny moments, like with Shan and I being like such good friends, like mm -hmm. working. I mean, there's been other comical things, but the one that always comes to mind is definitely yeah. that. Awesome. And now we're just going to move to the quick fire round uh, of questions. So just first thing that comes to top of mind, uh, just say it. So if there's one thing that you could change about people's mindset when it comes to sustainable fashion, what would it be? honestly just to be more conscious and to realize that like we all really do have our own part to play and even if you think it's minuscule and won't make a difference it really does at the end of the day and the more that you decide to um, change your approach or buy local or buy you know ethically made things or sustainable things or whatever it is it does it really does um, create that ripple effect and I think once you start learning about it you can't unsee it like yeah. you know for us the more we dive into it the more that we understand and speaking of local brands what's your favorite local brand apart from your own uh, all right well <laughs> i'm so i've actually i mean i'm so i've for the last couple of years i love all of my like experimenting with natural skincare ranges and all of that and we have some incredible ones here in um South Africa. And two of my favorites are Sasu by a woman called Saskia, which is actually locally made in Plet, where I'm from. And I've been using it for many years. Uh, and she is, she's just so amazing. She still makes it out of her, like small, like her house. And it's actually done really, really well along the garden route. I don't think too many people know it further than that. But she's just so content with how she operates and runs it. And it is, it's an incredible range. Um, and then a friend of ours, he started a brand called Null, which is also shampoo bars. And okay. we both use them and they are incredible. Yeah, they really are. And it looks very luscious and long. <laughs> it's glowing. <laughs> That's when you know when, yeah. when, when a natural bar can tame these locks. Yeah, That's when you know you've got a good product. <laughs> well, I've got, very, I've got quite curly hair, so I'm going to have to give it a try. <laughs> Definitely yeah. recommend it. And I mean, a couple. And yeah. And then in terms of like a fashion brand, yeah, I absolutely love Live and Light. I think their whole um, basis of it and also the community empowerment and how they create their products and everything is so beautiful. Um, yeah, there's so many. We've, honestly, yeah. we're so incredibly lucky to have so many beautiful local brands and there's so many incredible people that are taking so much time and energy to create their like dream brands and yeah, I think South Africa is such an incredible place for it at the moment. For sure, that's definitely can be said. And uh, what is a quote that you guys live by? Mine? I don't necessarily have a quote, but... That's fine, a mantra? In kindness. But it's not necessarily a quote, but I've always enjoyed, I mean, or just being kind, like 
entering into any situation with kindness is kind of something I try and live by. Um, so it's not necessarily a quote, but more of like a philosophy, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, it's a beautiful one. Yeah, mine's always, <laughs> mine's been, um, it's, there'll always be light. So in no matter what situation, no matter the circumstances, there's always going to be, you know, a silver lining or a glimmer of hope or something that comes to the party. So, yeah, it's always been my kind of guiding force. I love those such beautiful philosophies and mantras. Um, I'm not too sure if you ladies read a lot or not, but if you do, one of the questions is that if you could live in any book, which one would it be? So I don't know if I would like particularly live in a novel or anything like that, but at the, well, I've just actually What book reading. would you recommend? So um, I've just, well, I've listened to a couple of podcasts on it and I've just read The Four Agreements and that, oh, yeah, I'm and dying to read that. that. I've heard such good um, things. It's incredible. You can borrow I did, my yeah. copy. I'll <laughs> Thank you. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was gifted to me. I've like passed it on now, so I feel like. Yeah, I borrowed it from Chris when she yeah. was away. So okay. I'll send it to you. Yes, <laughs> please. Sorry, Chris, I just realized your book recommendation. My book recommendation, um, trying to think what, so I've recently also read The Alchemist, which I've also found is a really beautiful story. It's mm-hmm. one of those books that I actually still have not sat down and read all in one sitting, but I also wouldn't say I would want to live, it actually sent Shannon and I, when we saw that question, down a massive chat just about like, not really ever wanting to like exit reality. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to live in a real world, but in terms of also just good storytelling in some way, a book that transports you into like a different um, place and also has like a lot of wonderful like life lessons. Um, I would also recommend you reading The Alchemist. It was beautiful. I actually read The Alchemist in one sitting. One day I finished it. I was, I couldn't get enough of it. I also think it's such a beautiful story and the message and actually now now you're making me think I want to read it again because I'm also one of those people when I read books I always take quotes from the books of what I like and different things and especially when it's like self-help books I just have notes where I'll be say like the alchemist and there's like all the quotes that I like and it's like Jordan Peterson all the quotes that I like that's me it's actually something I wish I did more often is actually take notes or like even like scribble in my books and stuff because I don't often do that and I'm terrible even like movies some people are so incredible at like recalling stuff I'm like what (laughs) I understood the general plot but (laughs) how have you just quoted back an entire section of something I know I'm a movie buff as well I can quote you the whole of Mean Girls classic <laughs> I mean standard <laughs> but enough about me um three people that you would have over for a dinner party dead or alive this question also sent us into like such an interesting conversation because I mean it's a question that gets asked quite often to people and it always leaves me a little bit like like off guard and chance at the same thing and I think like the commonality when we were speaking is that we would want to speak to like family that have passed away so like I had my grand my uncle and my grandfather and Shan has her two grands mm. and it's more that we spoke about like just on a, a conversation about how you know sometimes also chasing wanting to have dinner with people who are already well known for certain things wouldn't be our ideal like dinner day so it'd be mm. quite nice like I find you often run into people or end up having like coffee or get invited to places um so it's a question that's kept me always me off guard maybe because of that there's like no one that comes to mind I'm like wow I would want to have dinner with this person I think 
yeah, you have encounters of people all the time mm-hmm. that end up being like magical or can give you wonderful lessons. Yeah. You know, whoever you encounter with, whether famous or not along the way, always is something that touches you and can move you as well. Definitely. All these people become such a beautiful part of your life as well, you know. Mm-hmm. You start questioning who you are and what you want and you realize, like, especially for us, like our grandmothers and stuff, and for you, you know, it's such a big journey, a part of the, your journey and who they are and how they created their world and all the battles and all the triumphs that they had. And, you know, it does, it becomes part of you and it passes down to you. So, yeah, I think special yeah, it's, thing. It's special. Mm. Sure. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, I think so many people are going to get such value from, you know, how to create a a sustainable business, creating communities, and then also just hopefully this might change some or two mindsets about sustainable fashion as well. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Yeah. (laughs)